everyone, you're listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there from a record called Sounds Fantastic, a squivel with Bye Bye Blues, a record designed to check your stereo. Today on the Nardward Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with, from Florida, Denzel Curry. And to prepare you for Denzel Curry, I thought I would play this record put out by KGIL Radio 1260, San Fernando Valley, Los Angeles. This record is actually a tragic documentation, a tragic, because it really was a tragedy, of the San Fernando Valley earthquake on February 9th, 1971. So this is kind of like an insight of like what they actually broadcast during that day. In an effort, so this does not kind of trigger a War of the Worlds, Orson Welles type reaction, again, this is from February 9th, 1971. This is not CITR today live on the Nardwarda Human Serviette radio show. This is from February 9th, 1971. The San Fernando Valley's longest day, as reported by KGIL Radio. Eight four has uh, survived the blackout, the temporary power failure we had. Uh, yes, Howard. Earlier today, we did notice that throughout the city of San Fernando, especially along the beautiful mall area, uh, there has been considerable damage to many of the stores. Some of the walls have caved in. Many have lost large plate glass windows. And some of these older buildings in the San Fernando area have uh, had uh, structural damage along the tops, where the tops and the roofs have uh, broken off and fallen down into the sidewalks. So it is uh, definitely not a happy situation in the San Fernando Mall area. Uh, there are many, many uh, San Fernando and LAPD police officers in this area. Of course, they're guarding against potential looters, or there have been looters reported throughout the damaged areas. Uh, of course, KGIL listeners themselves are not looters, but if we have listeners, uh, people tuned to us now who, who might have that in the back of their minds, as we've said before and we'll say again, it's not a good idea. Not only is it no way to behave in uh, the midst of a tragedy, but that color TV or that uh, large couch or refrigerator that you might try to get away with uh, could just end up costing you a bullet, and that's a pretty high price to pay. Bill Smith in the city of San Fernando, Mobile 84 Clear. There's a young man in the studio uh, who has a problem. It seems that his parents took off from the evacuation area, and uh, he's here and there somewhere else. What's your name, son? Dennis Graham. Dennis Graham, and where do you live? 9758 Monogram. In what city, what community is that? Sepulveda. Sepulveda. And where do you think your parents might be now? In Simi Valley. On their way or there now, would you there say? There now. Well, if they're listening or if anyone knows where they are, you can say that Dennis is safe and sound here at KGIL, and uh, you can pick him up here. That's Dennis Graham. His parents are in Simi Valley. They took off, and he's here. Dennis, you hang tight. Everything will be all right, okay? It's 74 degrees at KGIL News. Let's go right to the skies and find out what's going on from a bird's eye view or the colonel's eye view. It's Bruce Payne flying KGIL's Valley Skywatch. Uh, for the most part, we have no problems on the freeways. Uh, most traffic is lighter than normal, except on the San Diego freeway. That's heavier than usual from Mulholland down to the Ventura freeway. The 
because of the closure of the San Diego Freeway northbound all the way up to Newhall Pass. Dick Spangler in Mobile 8-3. Dick? Howard, I'm at the Odyssey restaurant overlooking the Van Norman Lakes. This is where the earthen dam is still steeped and seeped with mud, although the situation seems to be static. It remains stable at the moment. I'm talking to Inspector Dan Jelly of the Los Angeles City Fire Department. Are there any serious problems in the San Fernando Valley tonight? I understand you have many water and power breakdowns around the area. This is correct. Uh, a lot of the area will be without power, it'll be without water, uh, and it'll also be without gas. Other things went on around the world as uh, Southern California struggled through the results of a severe earthquake. The Apollo 14 astronaut splashed down on target in the South Pacific this afternoon, ending man's boldest and most scientifically rewarding moon mission. And we've just been informed that Bill Smith in Mobile 84 is out there again, ready for another report. What's going on, Bill? Uh, Howard, the power failure which put KGIL off the air for a while is still in effect in the San Fernando and Silmar area. Uh, and of course, what that means uh, primarily to our listeners uh, who are driving is that the traffic signals in this area are out. So if you're in the San Fernando or Silmar area, be very careful. Now, I noticed that there are LAPD officers uh, attempting to direct traffic in most of these major intersections uh, where the traffic signals are out. However, this is one of those times when the uh, dark blue uniforms of the police officers are a bit of a problem. They're very hard to see. The officers have flashlights, so we urge people driving in San Fernando and Silmar to be very careful as they enter such areas as the major intersections which have no lights. Uh, watch out for the police officers. They have flashlights. They're standing in the middle, but those dark uniforms are hard to see, so be very careful. Dick Spangler is out there in the field in Mobile 83, ready with another report. Dick? Thank you very much, Howard. I'm talking to Division Commander Bob Radke, and he's about ready to call it a day after a long, hard day with the Los Angeles City Fire Department. Bob, what kind of a day has it been for you? Well, it's been a rough day for all of us. Uh, we're still in a standby status. We're still watching the face and back of this dam uh, carefully. We are going to stand by all night long. We will have a helicopter unit with lights on the scene. We have our command post in operation. As the day has worn on, the situation has looked better and better. Uh, I cannot speak for the power department or the water department, but from a fire standpoint, it looks real good at this time. A spokesman for the Los Angeles City School District says all classes tomorrow have been canceled. And repeating the word that we have been giving out this afternoon, San Fernando Valley State College will be closed to students and the public for one week. If I may put my heart out on my sleeve for about 30 seconds, and then we'll get back to these announcements. I was standing out in the backyard of some friends of mine in Huntington Park. And I just looked skyward and said, thank you, because I'm still here, <clears throat> and get a chance to continue this wonderful life. But I felt so insignificantly small and thought of those three guys coming back from the moon and how looking at the globe from, what, 100,000 miles out, the moon a quarter of a million miles away, this beautiful round blob sits here. And here in one little corner, we had this shakeup. And here are nine million people who all got awakened at the same instant this morning, I'm sure. Just, uh, you feel kind of small. Bill, come in, please. Uh, thank you, Tom. A few moments ago, I had a chat with one of the uh, sheriff's information officers up here at the San Fernando Hospital. We filled you in on some, some details. And I've now had time to walk around this scene and get a good eye view of it. And uh, I'd like to tell you a bit about it now. It's a, really a tremendously tragic scene here. I've walked among the wreckage and the rubble. It uh, looks almost as if it's a bombed out uh, German village from uh, World War II. There's no power here. 
so these big floodlights uh, from a, a California emergency organization are uh, giving the firemen and the sheriff's people light by which they can continue their rescue efforts. Uh, they're using jackhammers to cut their way through the roofs and walls which have fallen down onto these hospital wards. And it's a very slow process. It looks like it will take at least all night. It may take even uh, much of tomorrow. Seems to be almost an insurmountable task. So far, 14 people have been dead. And uh, I can't help but think, as I look at it, uh, that most of the 50 who are still inside probably did not survive. Uh, these were three-story buildings. They collapsed all the way to the ground. The walls on the outsides fell inward toward the center of the building. So every ounce of the building fell inside on those people. A very tragic scene. And I don't imagine that the 50 people inside, too many of those will come out alive. Of course, we hope they all do, but it uh, almost seems as if we're asking too much. Uh, these numbers, uh, 50 people trapped inside, of course, accurate numbers are impossible because uh, nobody has an exact count of who was where, uh, who might have been walking around when the earthquake struck, how many employees were in which uh, building. It's been a very meticulous thing. It will just take a long time to iron it out. But it's definitely a tragic scene here at the San Fernando Veterans Hospital up in the hills of Silmar. Of course, no one uh, can really deserve this kind of disaster to fall upon them. But it seems that these veterans, men who have injured uh, themselves uh, in the service of their country uh, and gone through uh, quite a bit of ordeal already. It seems that these veterans perhaps deserve it even less. Below us now, because we're up on a hill overlooking the valley, most of the valley shining bright and clear in the night, except the city of San Fernando. Power blackout still in effect down there. The city of San Fernando was dark, almost in tribute to those who died up here today. This is Bill Smith, Mobile 84 Clear. Dick Spangler in Mobile 83. So what's the situation tonight? I see we have no lights as we're looking over the broken dam area. Well, we have a man down on the dam face itself with a radio-equipped car and a uh, field telephone. Uh, he's a volunteer, incidentally, and uh, he would, of course, give us the first warnings that we would need. That's Division Fire Chief Bob Radke, and the situation is stable here as we look at the broken dam overlooking the area from the Odyssey restaurant, and from the scene, Dick Spangler, Mobile 83 Clear. Thank you, Dick, for that live report. We have been noticing uh, the past hour uh, several aftershocks rocking our radio station here in the San Fernando Valley. I won't presume to tell you about my troubles, because I know you have troubles and we're all digging out. You've worked hard all day, haven't you? Trying to find glass to repair windows, trying to find drinking water, maybe even buying filters for your plumbing. And you have surveyed the damage, cracks in the chimneys. your prized china that is no more. And you've been in contact with everyone to whom you are close. And hopefully you've been listening to KGIL because this station is doing one hell of a job. And keeping you informed just as soon as any development occurs, and they will throughout the night. Of that, I can assure you. Just to be sure, I went out and bought more transistor batteries for my radio so I could stay in. Right on KGIL and Bill Smith and Southcott and Spangler and Culver and all the rest who have been uh, keeping you informed. 
What we shall do is provide some background music tonight. And of course, for those of you who have lost a relative or a friend, our condolence. There really is no way to talk about the finite properties of man until something like this comes along and then we are all made so aware of the infinitesimal wisp of smoke our lives really are. Good news about the dam, hopefully that will hold until they can drain the balance of the water off. KGIL 1260, news of import, broadcast throughout the night. We invite you to stay tuned. We'll give you places where you may go for protection, where you may go for food. Stay tuned. KGIL 1260. The death toll remains indefinite, although the latest figures indicate that there have been at least 30 fatalities attributable to the quake. Nine persons are said to have suffered heart attacks. The other 21 persons were victims of the quake's physical manifestations. And our Bill Smith has been out in the field looking at some of those physical manifestations, and he's here now in the studio with us. Bill, can you talk a little bit about what you've seen today? Howard, it's been a rather incredible day driving around the valley, checking out this earthquake scene and uh, looking at all of the devastation. I think the saddest thing that we've seen today is up at the two veterans' hospitals, uh, the Olive View Hospital and then over at the San Fernando Veterans Hospital, which is in the hills above Silmar. Those uh, people up there really went through uh, hell this morning at 6 o'clock. Three of the buildings collapsed completely. They killed, uh, so far, at least 14 people. There are some 50 people still inside, and as I stood there uh, about 15 or 20 minutes ago, looking at the big, uh, powerful emergency lights which are shining on that wreckage, it's an eerie thought to think that there are still 50 human beings beneath all that debris, and I think uh, looking at the size of the debris, we probably won't get too many of them out alive. It's a now, very Bill, tragic scene. Uh, this building that you're referring to at this point is, is which one of the two? Well, this is in the uh, San Fernando Veterans Hospital, which is a, a slight misnomer because the hospital's actually in Silmar, high in the hills above Silmar. The San Fernando Hospital. Now, I have not been over to the other hospital. Chuck Southcott was over there. He said the situation was nearly as bad at the Olive View Hospital. It will be an all-night rescue effort. They're digging. It's a, it's a very courageous thing, and I think, Howard, uh, newsmen tend to get too matter-of-fact uh, once in a while, and they don't uh, allow themselves to see into the real human drama. And right now, everybody's pitching in. It's, uh, it's quite an emotional scene. They're all working as hard as they can. They'll be working there all night. And I noticed that in a tragedy of this sort, all of a sudden, the races seem to disappear. Uh, you don't see black people and white people and Chicanos and Orientals. Uh, you don't see that. All you see is people, and they're all working together uh, with one common goal, and that one right now is to dig those people out from underneath that terrible wreckage. It's quite a scene. You said uh, earlier on the air from the scene that you expected the people who were buried, they estimate 50 there, uh, to be uh, fatalities rather than coming out alive. Uh, is the building that flat? It, it really is, Howard, and I think I, I based that assumption. And, of course, it's only my assessment of it, although most of the people up there are, are beginning to agree. 
Uh, I think I base that on two thoughts. Uh, one, uh, most of the survivors so far, in fact, all of them, have been taken from the top floor of that building. It was a three-story building. It fell inward, all three floors falling on top of each other. So in that uh, top floor, which is about all they've rescued so far, about half of those people had not survived. And I just can't imagine underneath all of those tons that the people in the two floors below have survived. Of course, we, we hope that they do. What a wonderful miracle it would be. But I can't imagine that they did. Okay, Bill, that, uh, that's a very graphic picture that you've painted for us. I uh, wonder if there is anything else in other areas other than the hospital areas that uh, comes to mind now. It, it does. We've been, uh, all of the newsmen here, uh, Dick Spangler has been on the go constantly, and Chuck Southcott, uh, Colonel Bruce put in about 10 flying hours today, and I think all of us have seen all of the areas of the valley. And uh, uh, I think really you notice the fact that uh, people tend to cling together when they're in trouble, except for the looters, and that's an incredible situation. I just don't know what kind of a person it is who takes advantage of tragedy to further his own means. And the police told me that they have many people around who are attempting to loot. Of course, the police will not deal kindly with them. Uh, the policemen have said that they will not think twice about shooting people who are attempting to loot. So uh, we hope that people will take that as a warning and not try to capitalize on this. We were over at the dam earlier, too. Spangler and I have been in and out of there. I watched that situation develop. I talked to a helicopter pilot, uh, Bud Nelson, I believe, a fire department chopper pilot who'd been flying down low over the dam. He said when he first arrived on the scene and looked at the dam, it didn't, uh, he didn't think it would last another uh, 20 minutes. However, they were able to pump the water out, to shore the thing up, to put some sandbags in there, and they're now confident, or at least uh, hopeful, that they can get through the next six hours without the dam going. And by that time, they should have uh, sufficient water pumped out so that uh, the danger will be eliminated completely. Yeah, that's, that's the hope. Howard, I said earlier on the air, and I think it might uh, stand uh, repeating, I think when the day is over, the tragedy will not be the dam, it will be the dam earthquake. We hope that the day is over soon. February 9th, 1971. The San Fernando Valley's longest day, as reported by KGIL. This is Stan Warwick, General Manager of KGIL. On February 9th, 1971, the 1,200,000 persons of the San Fernando Valley all were awakened at the same instant. And the day which followed that instant was to become the single most historic day in the history of the San Fernando Valley. It was a day of tragedy and death, of compassion and concern. A day that will remain fresh in the minds of everyone who experienced it for countless years to come. And far into the future, people in the valley will ask each other, where were you when the earthquake struck? At KGIL, whereas the San Fernando Valley's radio station, we were so much a part of that day, we feel that February 9th, 1971, should be preserved historically as a day of great importance. Important in the memory of those who did not survive that day, and important to those who not only did survive, but rebuilt their homes, their businesses, and their lives. In this sense of history, one year later, we present the sounds of that day, a condensation of our broadcasts from moments after the quake struck until evening when all was quiet. These are the actual recordings of KGIL from February 9, 1971, the longest day in the San Fernando Valley. And you just heard February 9, 1971, the San Fernando Valley, longest day 
earthquake record, as reported by KGIL Radio, as played by me on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show on CITR Radio. Right now, here are a bunch of people that I interviewed from Florida. Well, namely, one gentleman from Florida, Denzel Curry. Here's an interview I did, Nardwar to Human Serviette, with Denzel Curry. Who are you? Zero to 100 Zeltron, a.k.a. Mr. Taco Bell himself. Denzel Curry. Denzel Curry, welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And right off the bat, I have a gift for you, a Freestyle Fellowship Whoa. 45. Oh, what the hell you know about this? Oh, my God. You love the fellowship. Yo, man, oh, my God. That was from 1993. What can you say about Denzel Curry and a fellowship of the freestyle variety? Wow. Like, man, I was I used to listen to Seventh Seal and everything when I was a kid, you know, because I was just scrolling down YouTube and everything, and I came across Freestyle Fellowship, and you know, be advised, they'll come, like, all that stuff, man. Like, and I would, man, I would really get into this record right here, bro, but it was just like that one song, and then I just went through a rabbit hole of stuff. Oh, man, it was crazy. How you... How you, how you knew I messed with Freestyle Fellowship? You... Oh, you're a Denzel Curry. We have to know. How the fuck does he know that? Huh? 1993. Instrumental as well. You could rap over this. Bruh. Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. How the hell do you know this? Like, this is crazy. Nobody. Whoa. Whoa. Not even my fans know. I'd... Whoa. How you. Whoa. Well, I was curious, Denzel Curry, what is going on in this photo oh right now? Oh, my God! Oh, no! Oh, man! Maybe you can show oh, to people you have an Lord. afro? Yo, Dre. Dre, this, this is my homie Dre right here. Dre, this is Dre, Trey, this is Sisters right here. That's me, bro. With an afro. Wow! Oh, man! This is my homie Javar, man. Oh, man, dog. Damn. What is going on there? Stop sign. Like, what is going on there? Oh, this is my block. You feel me? This is my block. This is where I grew up at, you know? This is uh the 3-2, you know what I'm saying? This is where I grew up at. This is where all my homies was and everything. This is where me, um, Lord Lucian, this is where we all, like, grew up and, like, chilled at. And this is where most of the Raider Clan stuff, like, took place, like, on our street when it was doing the videos and stuff. So, and, um, yeah, and including Zone 3. This is the 3. So, this is what it is. Denzel Curry on the block. Yes, on the block. Like, the wow, I can't believe, wow. Wow, what the fuck, bro? Like, what the fuck? Oh, this is fucking crazy, yo. It's a pink and... Yo, oh my lord. What the fuck? A pink and blue daycare? <laughs> How the fuck he know all this shit? This is crazy, yeah. That's my daycare, man, Miss Mary, man. Dog, I used to go... Well. That's my daycare, you feel me, you know? And um, me, my brother Moot, we both used to go to the Pink and Bear, the Pink and, God damn, I'm kind of lost for words right now. We went to Pink and Blue when we was mad, mad young before we went to Crestview and all that stuff like that. Yeah, man, it was, it was crazy, yo. You are Denzel? Curry. Your Aunt Betty did security? What the fuck, how the fuck you know this? God damn! Bro, you the feds, bro? 
But you are Denzel Curry. We have to know. But your Aunt Betty's security? Bruh, you like the fucking feds right now, though? Nah, G shit. You wonder why? Yo, hey, where ATF at, bro? Like, for real. Fool. Bro, this shit crazy, bro. Like, how the fuck you know that? Dog, this is, dog. Bro, this is wild, bro. Um, bro. I'm, but having your aunt as security in her school. Ew, boy. Oh, damn. This shit crazy, boy. Boy. Hey, boy. This nigga know who my auntie is, fool. Like, this shit crazy. Dog, I, dog. This shit crazy, bro. Like, I, bro, how, how you know that? Bro, this is, dog, I don't know if you're a fucking police or you're just a really good-ass journalist because my mind is fucking blown right now. Like, what the fuck just happened? Denzel Curry. My mom's going to look at this shit and be like, this nigga said fuck like 15 times already. I'm like, yo. Oh, cr dog, bro. Oh, man, this shit crazy. But hey, Denzel Curry, shout out to Dumbo of Bicycle Click. Wait, 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 wait. Dumbo of Bicycle? Oh, shit. You talking about Dumbo Loke from Bicycle Click? Oh, man, me and his brother Yates used to go to goddamn, we both used to go to fucking Dash together and shit, man. And like when I was coming up and rapping, he was coming up and rapping at the same time. And his mixtape came out and King Remember came out. And it was just like going like this at the time, man. Like, it's crazy, dog. Like, how how you know all this shit? You be paying attention, bro. Like, damn, dude. Whoa. Chauncey. Dog, you even know niggas from my block? Whoa! I'm done. Yo! Denzel Curry. Takisha. Oh, man. What can you say that I said? Bro, Takisha? Dog, these are all people that lived on my block. How you know all this? Jungle Boy Wilding. Oh, my God, dog. You really are digging through the rabbit hole of all my old friends right now, yo. Like, this is crazy. From Florida. All of these people are from Florida. I think Jungle Boy Wilder, me and him went to school together. I think we went to Crestview, dog. Like, damn, dog, that shit crazy, man. I think I, his name is James. I was curious, Denzel Curry, Florida. What can you say about this Florida rapper right here? DJ Uncle Al. Wow. Hey, man, you know, hey, look, man, it's time to party. You already know what time it is, man. You know, bass is going to blow your mind. You got to check this shit out, man. R.I.P. Uncle Al, man. You got gunned down. But, yo, this man is a legend right here. If you don't know who Uncle Al is, you need to do your motherfucking research, man. You know who Uncle Luke is. You need to know who Uncle Al is, man, because he was pumping that bass out there. You feel me? And, like, that's what it was. Like, we used to play that. It's time. Bass is going to blow your mind. Come on, don't oh, This shit was crazy, man. That's one of the best songs that ever came out of South Florida. Period. Denzel Curry. Speaking of Uncle Luke and Florida, what can you say about these people right here, Uncle Luke? These rappers from Florida. If it wasn't for Luke, man, none of this shit would be possible, bro. Like, G shit. If it wasn't for him and Two Live Crew, none of this would be possible right now, bro. Especially when it came down to this little parental advisory sticker right here. This is the this 
these albums are the reason why you have these on here in the first place because they were so like raunchy and so crazy man and like man you even got dj last disco rick you know i never really gotten a disco rick like that but he is a legend bro like he is a legend dog Another rapper I wanted to ask you about is this gentleman right here, very important to Florida. Oh, man, Poison Click, nigga. Oh, man, Poison Clan, dog. Here we go. Yeah, man, JT Money. I hate hoes and hoes hate me. You know what I'm saying? You never know. Before um, Who That, he was the original person to do Who That, that ASAP Ferg does. He was the original. Like, who that, who that, who that, who that, who that, who that, who, who that, who that, who that, trying to get up in my crew. He was the first one to originally make this. And then he had these songs called Whole Stories. He had Whole Stories Part 1, Whole Stories Part 2, when he was talking about this fat hoe that he was fucking. Then, goddamn, she had one leg and shit. Like, bro, this man was like... JT Money. JT motherfucking money, bro. Y'all don't know about JT Money, man. Do your research, though. Did Mike DC give you Perp's number? You and Mike DC look alike. <laughs> well, we look alike, don't we? The same pants. Hell yes. What can you see about the same tartan pants? You know what I'm saying? You know, you got to do the damn thing. But anyway, let me be real. You know, Mike DC did give me my Space Ghost Perp's number, and that's the reason why we met, because me and Mike DC was doing music first. So, um... Yeah, man, like, that's how we met. We met through the internet, actually. And then, like, he was telling me about Perp, and then, you know, what? And then it just spiraled from there. Like, me and Perp found out it was from the same city, and then, boom, it just went from here to there. He went to New York to mess with Rocky. He came back to Florida, and we linked up, and the rest was history. And right here, I interviewed Space Ghost. Perp. And I gave him a James Pants record to give to? Me. Did you get that record? Yes, I still have that record. It's at my parents' house. It's in the trophy case because, like, that was the first time, like, because I always used to watch your shit. And then the fact that they gave me, they was like, oh, this is for you. And I was like, I was like, who is this from? They was like, it's from Narwhal. I was like, what? Because James Pants was the first person ever, before even Earl Sweatshirt, James Pants was the first person to really, like, listen to my music. So shout out to James Pants right there. Shout out to you. Denzel Curry, what can you say about Tommy? You right the motherfucking third. Oh my God, yeah, man, you don't know about this. Actually, actually, let's. I didn't do the intro. I do. I I didn't intro it. No, let me do it. I didn't ask you. I. It is mine. God damn it, I'ma do the goddamn intro. No, hold on, hold on, one second, one second. No, 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 it's mine. It's mine now. No, just kidding. Nah, it's not. It's mine. Yeah, anyway, this is Tommy Wright Third, and I've been coming up on this motherfucker for years. Drive by. I've been listening to that. I've been listening to Meet Jamaica and coming out for 9-4, nigga. And guess what? I'm still pimping, bitch. That's what the fuck I'm doing right now on Nard War. Wait, I'll never give you a hat Thank back. you for the Nard hat back. Thank you, Tommy Wright Third. Pimp, pimp, regular. The 207 Quick Stop, Denzel Curry. Bruh. Yes, I know where the 207 Quick Stop is. It's in the Bajas, man. If you in Kara City, you got to know where the Bajas is. You know what I mean? So the Bajas is like, this is right here. Okay, there's a canal, and it separates the three, and then the Bajas is over there. Then you have River City. Then you have Lake Lucerne, and then you got County Line, which is Z2 way in the back. So, man, it's just crazy, like, how you know about the 207 Quick Stop, dude. It's just wild to me. You are Denzel Curry. We have to know. Hey. You also directed a Puya video? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. How you know that? I've directed, um, damn, it was a video with him and Nell. 
that I did a long time ago. And that's when it was standing on Kara City on 170. That's when Nell was standing on 175, and Puya would come all the way down from Kendall, and I would like, and he would shoot videos for us because he shot strictly for my Raiders, and I shot um, shots from the double Glock, the first version for him and Nell. Thank you very much, Denzel Curry. Keep on rocking in the free world and doot doo loot doo. Doodoo, nigga. Almost doot doo loot doo. Doodoo. I almost doot doo loot doo. Doot doot. And that was an interview with Denzel Curry from Florida. Right now, I'm going to play a record called Skin Diving. Yes, it's all about skin diving, an actual record about skin diving. I looked up to see when this record came out, and there was no date. Uh, Discogs did acknowledge this record, but they didn't acknowledge when it actually came out. But I am guessing probably like 62 or 63. So here is skin diving. Yes, you can learn all about skin diving from this record right here. Skin diving. Skin diving equipment courtesy of Voight. Skin diving records 8001 on the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. sound you are hearing is a relatively new one. It's the sound of man breathing underwater, exploring the depths of the sea. The time? Right now. The place? Anywhere in the world. From the frigid waters of New England to the warm waters of the South Pacific. Who is making the sound? Men, women, and children from every walk of life and from every country in the civilized world. Many people ask the experienced diver, why in the world do you want to go diving? It's a good question, and it has many answers. If there's one answer that probably fits the majority of the people, it can be summed up in one word, curiosity. Did you ever sit on a beach and gaze out at the great salt sweep and wonder what lay below? If so, you're in good company. Since more than two-thirds of the total surface of our world is covered with water, adventurers, sailors, and just ordinary people have wondered about the exact same thing for centuries. On the surface, there is little to be seen. But beneath the surface is of living things, for the sea is the home of billions of creatures, both plant and animal. Since the beginning of time, it's been man's curiosity that has lifted him to the position of leadership which he now enjoys on this planet. Nowadays, there is little left to whet the appetite of the curious on dry land. The highest mountains have been climbed, the poles traversed, 
and even the jungles tamed. What is left for the restless spirit of man but outer space and the sea? Outer space is being probed, but as we all know, it can only be done by governments with huge sums of money at their disposal. But not so with the sea. For here, available to all of us, is a new world to explore. And it's within the reach of everyone. As a matter of fact, more, much more, is known about outer space than is known about the world's oceans. So every minute of every day, where there was once only silence, there is now the sound of man. He is there sometimes for pleasure, sometimes to satisfy his curiosity, sometimes to stake his claim to its wealth, and sometimes to amass facts for the benefit of science. You can join the thousands who are already enjoying the thrills of the underwater world. But before you do, you must learn the ways of the sea. As a bird must learn to stand before it can fly, so you must learn the fundamentals of diving. It has become commonly accepted to use the word skin diving to describe all diving, except that which is done with hard hat diving suits. To be completely accurate, skin diving is divided into two basic techniques. One, the diver uses only a mask, fins, and snorkel, and breathes surface air, holding his breath during the dive. We shall call this skin diving. Two, the diver uses scuba equipment. The word scuba means self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. You can see why it was shortened to just plain scuba. This is the diving where a tank of compressed air is used and a demand regulator supplies air to the diver as he needs it. We shall treat each of these two basic techniques separately. Let's examine skin diving first. The best place to practice is a swimming pool. So come along. Before you take up any form of diving, you must be able to pass a swimming test, which consists of one, swimming 200 yards without swimming aids, such as fins. Two, swimming 10 yards underwater without swimming aids. Three, treading water for five minutes. And four, treading water with your hands out of the water for 30 seconds. When you are able to accomplish this swimming test, you are ready to start your training. What of the basic equipment you will need? It consists of a face mask, swimming fins, and a snorkel. 
Let's examine each of these separately. The first is the face mask. In the beginning, a diver had only good health, swimming ability, and a large amount of curiosity. Natives of the South Pacific Islands, the Japanese, and Greeks have practiced pearl and sponge diving for centuries. They knew the human eye is not designed for direct water contact, that underwater vision becomes blurred. So, goggles were the first things added. They have since been refined to the modern diving mask. It is preferred over goggles because it keeps the water out of your nose. Swim fins are a familiar sight at every swimming pool in the world. They were developed to give the diver additional thrust from each kick, with the result that you now have power, speed, and maneuverability almost without effort. Problem was where to dive. So the snorkel came into use. It is patterned after the centuries-old hollow reed. With the snorkel, the diver is able to breathe normally as he swims along with his head beneath the surface, seeking his underwater destination. Let's get into the water and try out the equipment. Put on your fins. Now, rinse out your snorkel and face mask. The snorkel should be attached to the mask strap. You can use a string, rubber band, or a regular rubber clip that you can buy at any diving shop. After rinsing, expectorate into the face mask. Rub the inside surface of the glass with the saliva, then rinse again. This prevents fogging up from condensation of your warm breath. Put your mask up to your face and test for leaks. This is done by breathing in through your nose. If there are no leaks, the mask will suck up against your face and stay there without being held. Now, adjust the strap to good tension, high up on the back of your head. Don't make it too tight. It's not necessary with a good mask. Put it in your mouth with the soft, pliable flange between your lips and teeth. Grip the lugs firmly between your teeth. Finally, blow out any water that remains from rinsing. At this point, you will realize that breathing has become a conscious effort, exerting your lungs a little. Now, standing waist deep in the water, dip your head under the surface, but not far enough to flood the snorkel. Now, practice breathing. You will notice that the effort of breathing is a little greater still. This is because the water is squeezing your chest inward. It's quite interesting that when you're at a depth of six feet or so, it is impossible to breathe, even through a large diameter tube projecting above the surface. When you have gained a little confidence, float on the water with your head submerged. At first, you might flood your snorkel and finish up coughing, sputtering, gasping for breath. In time, this will never happen. You get to know when there is water in the snorkel and clear it automatically before you breathe. 
It is important that you now start the habit of breathing in and out through your mouth only. Breathing through your nose only fogs up your mask. It's inevitable that you get a little water in your mask. This can be uncomfortable, especially when it gets up around your nose. So you're now going to learn how to clear your mask underwater. Simply roll to the right or the left, holding the side of your mask that's the highest, tightly against your face. Then exhale through the nose, and the water will be forced out of the lower part of the mask, where it is collected. This is very important, so practice until clearing your mask has become automatic. The next thing to learn is the proper way to kick your legs without tiring. This is perhaps the simplest of all things to learn. Indeed, it almost becomes automatic once you're in the water. The basic movement is to move your legs, bent slightly at the knees, up and down, toes pointed down like a ballet dancer, kicking from the hips. You'll be surprised at the speed you can obtain. The arms are seldom used in diving. They're usually left alongside the body. And your forward motion is from kicking only. When you have mastered this basic technique of swimming on the surface and breathing through the snorkel, you are ready to try your first dive. Before attempting your first dive, you should know something about the physical effects on the human body. As we said before, the divers in the Pacific Islands have been diving for centuries and are known to obtain depths of 100 feet and more and are able to hold their breath from three to four minutes. There are some skin divers right here who are able to duplicate these feats, but it takes a tremendous amount of conditioning and is not for the average man. As the diver descends, the water pressure increases in fact, at 33 feet, the pressure is double that of the surface. As a result of this increase in pressure, the volume of air in the lungs shrinks. Picture, if you will, the lungs as a balloon full of air. The balloon is encased in a flexible cage of bones, our ribs. Both the ribs and the balloon are literally squashed in under increased pressure. At 120 feet, the pressure is almost five times that of the surface, and your lungs occupy one quarter of the space they do on the surface. Farther down, your ribs actually reach the limits of compression and may crack or collapse. So you can see the tremendous strength that has been developed in the chests of the South Pacific pearl divers but you have no need to worry because long before you run any risk, you are warned by the physiological effect on your brain. Also, it's not necessary to skin dive to great depths where you can find all of the beauty and excitement that you need in less than 40 feet of water. When you want to obtain greater depths, that is where the scuba equipment comes into play, but that's for later on. You understand something about the physical side of diving, so let's try a practice dive. 
Swim out to the deep end of the pool, where you have about eight to ten feet of water. Now you go ahead on your own and try to dive. Ten to one, you'll take a deep breath and start to dive. You'll splash and fumble to get below the surface. Your breath will get short and your arms and legs begin to flail as, as if you were being attacked by a swarm of bees. You'll get nowhere. You'll panic and rise three feet to the surface, spluttering and gulping water in through the snorkel, all because you didn't observe the basic rule of skin diving. Never start out when you're short of breath. Don't try a dive if you've been swimming hard. Begin by lying easily on the surface, face downwards. You are now ready to take a couple of deep breaths. Not too much or you'll get dizzy. Then take one easy breath. Double up like a jackknife, thrusting your head well down. Lift your feet together up to a vertical position, just like you were standing on your head. Your feet are now clear of the water and of no help. But their weight will force your body down. Thus, you will start a clean descent. Once your feet are in the water, a few gentle kicks will start you on a downward plunge. Hold your arms alongside your body and propel yourself with your fins only. You can control your direction with your shoulders. The twist of the left shoulder will take you to the left. An arch to your back will take you upward. During the 30 seconds or so that you stay down, you'll be able to cover about 50 yards. When you start feeling short of breath, lift your head and return to the surface. A word of caution, it will seem closer than it really is. The moment you surface, give a short, explosive exhalation through your snorkel. But remember, blow hard. If you don't, when you take that welcome breath of air, you'll get a lung full of water to boot. Practice this shallow dive several times in about eight to 10 feet of water. At first, you will notice an unpleasant pressure in your ears, even at this depth. But as you practice, it'll become less and less. But now is the best time to practice clearing your ears. Have you ever been up in an airplane or in the mountains? If so, you've probably had your ears plug up. You usually hold your nose and blow gently until your ears pop. The exact same thing is done in diving. With some of the newer masks, you can pinch your nose shut and blow. But with some masks, you can't do this. So simply hold the mask tightly against your face and exhale through your nose. The pressure built up in your face mask will accomplish the same thing as holding your nose. This is also a good time to learn another fundamental rule for both skin and scuba diving. Never force yourself to depths. If you feel a pain in your ears, level off and don't go any further down until you can clear them. To do so could result in ruptured eardrums. It is also very difficult to clear your ears when you have or have just gotten over a cold. You should not dive when this condition exists. Now you have seen how to clear your mask of water. Relieve the pressure in your ears, kick without tiring, purge your snorkel of water, and the easiest way to make a dive. Practice these things until you feel confident. For the next step is a trip out to the beach 
and a little deeper dive. Pick a good sandy beach without a pounding surf. Also one that offers deep water quickly. Get your equipment on and swim out to where the bottom is about 15 or 20 feet deep. Speaking of equipment, there's one thing that you must never, under any circumstances, use. Earplugs. We repeat, never use earplugs. They prevent pressure equalization and the eardrum could rupture in 10 feet of water. You are now lying face down on the surface. Again, take a couple of breaths. Then one easy one. And with your jackknife motion, down you go. Everything is the same as your shallower dive, except the pressure will become a little greater. Your mask might start to press inward. If so, exhale a little air through the nose. This will lessen the pressure. Now is when the little tricks of the expert come in handy. When you begin to feel the strain in your chest, let a small trickle of air escape from around your snorkel mouthpiece. This not only helps relieve the feeling of pressure and makes your dive more comfortable, but it also extends the period of time you can stay down. But be sure and leave enough air in your lungs to clear your snorkel when you surface. Never stay down too long. Don't overstrain your lungs. Remember, just because you can hold your breath for two minutes sitting on the living room sofa doesn't mean that you can hold it that long below the surface. As proof of this, the next time you're in the bathtub, try holding your breath and sticking your head below the water. You'll be amazed how much less time you're able to hold your breath underwater, even in the bathtub. Practice diving in 15 to 20 feet of water until you're confident. You are now ready to take up actively the sport of skin diving. You will soon find that you are able to go deeper and extend the period of your dives longer. And like the bird who has learned to stand, you are now ready to learn to fly. In this case, to use scuba equipment. For scuba is the key that unlocks the door to almost complete freedom underwater. Let's go back to the swimming pool and learn the basic use of scuba equipment. And you're still listening, I hope, to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. That was the entire side, yes, the entire side of how to Skin Dive, a record put out probably in the mid-60s. I tweeted out a picture of that record on the Nardwar Twitter, at N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R. And actually, I got a response. John B.C. Clark says, Playing underwater is tough on drummers. Ba-boom. Now, of course, you might do some skin diving, in warm waters. And speaking of warm waters, 
Florida. Earlier on the show, I played an interview I did with Denso Curry from Florida. But who should drop by right now with a Florida record? Who do we have right now on an Artward Human Serviette radio show? <laughs> Me, it's Roger Allen. Roger Allen. Hello, <laughs> Roger Allen. Hello, hi. Who are you, Roger Allen? Who are you? I'm a philanthropist and part-time small business DJ. And a patch giver. (laughs) You've given me many great patches, and you've given the listeners many great tunes. In fact, today I said, hey, I'm going to be interviewing the rapper known as Denzel Curry. He is from Florida, and you actually brought me some records, including a Florida record. A Florida record by the band The Psycho Daisies. Anything you want to say about the Psycho Daisies. And you also brought a whole bunch of other tunes as well. I did, yeah. Just because it's uh, October and we're getting... Well, it's, there's a whole bunch of things. It's Florida. It's getting close to Halloween. It's uh, we, we need to promote Canadian music. So I kind of combined, combined things into a few records that uh, have all that in it. And I do thank you very much for dropping by the Nardwar the Human Serviette radio show because I think listeners might realize they'll be subjected to um, part two of the skin diving <laughs> Side record. Two, yeah. Side two. But instead, Roger has arrived here with a whole bunch of. I heard the skin diving at home and came right here. Ba-boom. And of course, actually, I um, give a little gift some Harley Flanagan. Yeah, that's awesome. It's Harley Flanagan, Chromags. A Chromax, the new Chromax. Yeah, I'm not sure he. A benefit for Dr. No. Dr. No, yeah. Of Bad Brains. So, here, right now, who are we going to play right now from Florida? The Psycho Daisies with Kill or Be Killed. On the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. Yeah, baby. 
You're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show with special guest DJ Crooked Walker. Roger, what did we just hear right there? We just heard the Vancouver band, the Vancouver super band, Forbidden Beat with Open Your Mind. With photos by Bev Davies. Bev Davies, yeah. Who also took photos, we might get to it, of the Dills. The Dills, that's true. I thought the Dills were a Canadian band, but I was set straight. They're not. No, Zippy was their drummer, and he is Canadian, but they're from Los Angeles. And rest in peace as well to Tony from the Dills, who recently passed away. Yes. Where did he get that Dills record? It's called Made in Canada. Yeah, Made in Canada. That's what made me think. And uh, Bob Rock, I think, produced it, and everything everything about it was Canadian. Terry David Mulgan, I think, sang backup vocals on one of the tracks. A baboom, and it's on the Pino Roccoletti <laughs> record label. Where did you get that? Because I noticed you still had the price tag on it, and it was a lower price that yeah. you paid. I got that, I believe I got that at Zulu when it was, Zulu Records in Vancouver when it was on um, the north side of uh, West 4th, so in its old location. You remember that? Yes, yeah, I believe that's where I got it. And I think, did it say like three bucks? Yeah, it was, it was like, I, I think I, I must have got it new. Yeah, it was like three ninety nine. Like I was afraid it was like, you know, 30 bucks, but I looked at the price tag and I was like, oh my God, three forty nine, right? Three seventy seven. Three. It was low amount. It was amazing. But that is the deals made in Canada. Photos by Bev Davies, who also did the photos by Forbidden Beat that we heard. Forbidden Beat? Which from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Featuring members of Bill of Rights, House of Commons, and Celebrity Drunks. Uh-huh. And also, they released a tape called Surf, Skank, and Skate. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. It's all instrumental stuff, isn't it? And that, yeah, and that kind of was instrumentally, wasn't it? The yeah. Forbidden Deed. There was a, lo- a lot of guitar playing. And it actually says on this record, features ex-members of the Bill of Rights, House of Commons, and Celebrity Drunks, as you said. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Roger. I was hoping that people would just think I was... That was coming off the top of my head, but yeah, it's written down. You can never say those bad names enough. Bill of Rights, House of Commons, and Celebrity Drunks from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And before that, we heard some Onion House featuring... Steve McBean. Yes, I thought that was interesting because um, uh, just because of uh, Pink Mountaintops and Black Mountain and um, 
was it Supreme Echo is re-releasing the Mission of Christ um, seven inch, and Stephen McGean, McBean was in um, uh, what is that band? Uh, Jerk with a bomb. Jerk with a bomb and uh, and Onion House and Mission of Christ. But I would have I would have thought Onion House would have come before Mission of Christ. But uh, I read that the Onion House was created as a retaliatory um, thing to go against the violence that was happening at the Mission of Christ shows. They wanted to do something that was wasn't as aggressive, I guess. And that particular track we heard was called Too Slow. Too Slow, they yeah. They were playing Too Slow, maybe? Yeah, maybe that's a little bite on um, on the music that they are playing as opposed to what they used to From play. Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. But you also said you thought you heard something about a fire in that song. Yeah, I think, I'm pretty sure I read that when they're yelling about the fire, uh, he goes, Steve, Steve, your car's on fire. I think that actually happened. I think they were, they were maybe touring and the, and the car burnt down. And we began with... Was, was, was Stephen McKean in Red Tide, too? No, that was Ken Jensen, uh, rest in peace. Because okay. he is one of the people that passed away, rest in peace, Randy Rampage, yeah. from DOA. Yeah, yeah. And he died in a house fire that right. happened in Vancouver. Right. Rest in peace, rest Ken Jensen. Yeah, Jensen. And uh, uh, also, um, we heard the Psycho Daisies to begin the set. And you had said, like... Actually, when I say to you, I, I'm interviewing a rapper, a Denzel Curry from Florida, and can you bring a Florida record in? Now that I think of it, it isn't that easy. How did you determine that they were from Florida, and how did you find that record? Yeah, it's, when I began looking into anything from Florida, it turns out there's a lot of punk and hardcore music that happened in Florida, but I know absolutely nothing about it. I, maybe just because Florida is so far from Vancouver, but none of the band names coming up were were um familiar to me like almost nothing other than um i think less than jake is that that's a band right less than jake they're from florida but uh it's pretty there's a lot of songs about miami like uh the blues brothers have a song going back to miami and uh uh i think tom petty and there's a lot of songs about miami but not a lot of bands other than maybe like uh, house djs and like dj culture is big in miami but the actual state I, c I couldn't find a lot of music from and anyways and i was just lucky enough while going through this blog i recognized an album cover i have a good memory i remembered seeing it in a bookstore in vancouver i went back to that bookstore went through about a million records and found it and that's how i have the psycho daisies album and it turns out it's really quite good how long was that record sitting at a record <laughs> store it was there for at least six or seven months that's me, And it was still there. <laughs> it's still there, yeah. It was right where I, I remember it was going to be. And you were like, yeah! It was in between a Fleetwood Mac and a, um, uh, oh, what's that band? Uh, Uriah Heep album. On the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show with special guest DJ. Roger Allen. Crooked Walker. And Roger, to end this show, the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. What do we have coming up here? Some Halloween-y type music, because I guess this year we aren't doing the Halloween special. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I'm not going to be here actually for the Halloween special, but we are going to do possibly a Christmas special? Christmas special. Some yeah. Christmas punk music. Yeah, I'm sure there's, I'm sure that exists. Yeah, we're going to, Why? do you want to say why you're not going to be here? Uh, not really. No? Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, we're going to... I was going to... I thought we can... Well, I'm not going to be here, but if I knew you would be here, R Roger, I would not, I would have been here. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
we're trying to tie in uh, Canada, uh, Halloween, and Florida. So I found a Killing Joke song who were greatly inspired by Skinny Puppy. And I have a newspaper article here from when they played with Skinny Puppy in Miami at a place called The Kitchen Club. And um, the bar within the Kitchen Club was called The Seagull. And uh, Killing Joke and the Skinny Puppies um, talked of doing a collaborative recording. Um, it almost happened as Frank Falstrata, a rat bastard, kept the studios reserved just in case. But alas, as things go, the pups and the jokes decided to party and not do business and make a night of signing autographs and dancing. Of particular note was ex-pill, now killing joke drummer, Martin Atkins, suggesting Ministry's stigmata and then joining them in the inevitable mosh that followed. What's amazing is Rat Bastard is mentioned there, and I met him at South by Southwest. He's a friend of Andrew WK, and remember, in Andrew WK's band, he's a lot of death metal guys. Right. In his backing band. And you did a song with Andrew W.K. I did, indeed. And also, Killing Joke, playing with Skinny Puppy in Florida. Florida is where Tank Hog also backed up Skinny Puppy on a big oh, yeah. tour that they did. And I think Shane of Tank Hog got stabbed in <laughs> Miami. That's terrible. But this is Skinny Puppy and... Killing joke Killing in jokes. Florida. Amazing, amazing connections. And Halloweeny. And Halloweeny. It's yeah. Halloweeny ish. Halloweeny ish. And also, we are going to follow that by, hopefully, with some Lords of the New Church, right? Lords of the New Church with uh, Opening Nightmares. And they're kind of a super band as well. Uh, off, uh, they have ex members of. Uh, Steve Baders. Yeah, still ba- Steve Baders, who was in um, the New York Dolls, right? And as well, I think the original drummer are. At least one of the solo drummers was a guy from the Mods from Toronto, Ontario. Right. Was there anybody from MC5 in that band? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, there was Brian James from The Damned. Oh. And, of course, Brian James loves The Damned. And Malcolm McLaren. And the MC5. And Malcolm McLaren loved... Uh, uh, the New York Dolls. New York Dolls. He managed them. <laughs> So there you go. It all makes sense. And if there's time, we're going to cut to some seeds. The seeds. Where did you find that single? I found this I found this um, at Neptune Records. Yeah. And, uh, whenever anything happens at Neptune Records, they kind of unearth boxes of records. Whenever they have to move something, something magically falls down, and it's like a box of records no one's seen. And I was lucky enough to be there when that happened, and I went through it, and I found that record. What about the Lords of the New Church record and the Killing Joke record? Because I know it's the Killing Joke record is a 7-inch of 45, and it's kind of like cool, and it's cool. It looks cool. Yeah, I sent, I actually sent away for that Killing Joke record off of uh, Discogs, and it took uh, three months to get, and I got my money reimbursed, and I completely gave up on it, and then just came home one day a few weeks ago, and there it was. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, and you brought it straight to CITR. What about the Lord's Record? Lord's Record, I can't remember exactly where I found that. I think I probably just found that at our, in our record store in Vancouver. Well, again, Roger, thank you for finding your way up to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. And here is a little bit of Halloween magic provided yeah. by Killing Joke. Yes. Why should people care about Roger Allen? Why should people care? <laughs> Um, why should they care about me? <laughs> That's a tough question. Uh, because um, 
I care about them. And you're back. Like, you and bend yeah, I over. Won't, I won't go. Well, Have you ever got hurt <laughs> bending it, over for records? I wouldn't put it like that. Like, you know, like, you really dig in the crates. Yeah. Um, no, I haven't. I've never gotten hurt. But, yeah, you get, um, no, never gotten hurt. And you won't pay a certain amount of money, will you, for a record? You will have to find a record. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to buy a record off someone who already knows what it is. You don't want to go to a, a record fair. You want to find something, and you bring it up to the the till, and and the person there just goes, "Oh wow, I didn't even know that was there. Why don't you just take it?" Except a Spaceman Three record, right? Except a spa- yeah, a Spaceman Three is a little rare. Usually, the, the person who's selling that to you. Knows exactly what it is. Well, thanks very much, Roger. Keep on rocking in a free world. Killing joke coming up and do do loot do. Scoop scoop.
Cause it's fun to watch her cry 